humble people. Welcome to the Hollywood Heels podcast. I am the rock star, the renaissance man, the Duke Russo, and I'm joined by the divine voice himself, Henron, as we recap this historic, this iconic, 1600th episode of Monday Night Raw, the longest running episodic television show on the air right now. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? And yes, a monumentous occasion with this Monday Night Raw 1600. And soon, I don't think we're going to see 1700. Sounds like we got some big changes coming in the WWE. Sounds like Monday Night Raw is moving to Netflix, keeping it red. But man, like they're just moving off of live television, no commercials, streaming. Hopefully, you know, the pay-per-views follow. I'm cool keeping Peacock, too. It don't, it don't matter. But, man, that is just not something I was expecting to hear. Yeah, it's it's honestly ex- exciting. You know, I've, I've seen uh, people say both things. People that hate it, people that love it. Um, I'm super open to it. Um, I, I have for a very long time wanted to cut the cord on cable because it's fucking outrageous. Like it, it, I'm, I'm in Arizona, so we have Cox and, uh, my cable bill is like $300 and I don't even get like all that much extra shit. You know, like I, I think, you know, I get like a sports package so I can get like red zone and shit like that. And then I get, um, HBO and, and then that's it. Like, that's the only extra bullshit I get on there. I don't even get, like, a full fucking gig inter- internet. Like, it's it's a racket, dude. And, like, to go to another company and to literally just get internet would be, like, less than a third of the cost, more or less. So, I've wanted to cut the cord for a long time. Honestly, the main thing that that doesn't, like, what's keeping me on it is is probably just sports in general. Um... And I lump uh, WWE into that, and I would love to cut the cord. And this is just one more step along the way to do that. Um, I think it's a brilliant move. So for for those who don't know, uh, I'm sure many know, but it's a 10-year, $5 billion deal. And uh, there's some interesting things to it. So from what I understand, the USA uh, contract is up, uh, I don't know, off the top of my head, how much longer before the Netflix one does, but there's a gap. So first off, they need to figure out what, what's going to happen with the gap. They've said right now they intend to keep it on Monday nights. Now, also, outside of the U.S., pretty much everything is moving to Netflix. Uh, in Canada, I'm pretty sure SmackDown is moving, NXT, like, Pretty much everything is moving to Netflix outside of the U.S. In the U.S., SmackDown's moving to USA. I, I don't think we know exactly what's happening. Uh, oh, NXT's going to CW, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so NXT to CW, and then Raw to Netflix. Um, realistically, there are 90 million people that get USA. There, there are something like over 200 million people that get Netflix. On that alone, it's a smart move. They will be airing it live on Netflix. I did not watch the Chris Rock thing live. Did you? No, I don't even know what Chris Rock thing you're talking about. So, 
to my knowledge, that was the first foray into a live broadcast on Netflix. They ran a Chris Rock comedy thing live. And if I recall, there were issues in the beginning of it. Um, but see, here's the, the brilliant thing about WWE is WWE is more or less a turnkey solution, right? They've got their whole production company. They've got all the staff. They've got literally everything, and they just hand the feed to Netflix. Yes, Netflix has shit to do on their end, but they're a lot more turnkey than them producing an entire thing by themselves. So I think that will massively play into this. Um, I don't think there's been full clarity on the commercial situation yet. I would expect there to at least be commercials for Netflix's own shit. Um, Now, that would likely lead to less commercials. But overall, I think this gets more eyes on wrestling. Another interesting thing that I saw um, was that they plan on making it more uh, sport-like. So they haven't really elaborated on what that means, but they want to have it feel like live sports. So I'm like, what are we going to get? Like instant replay shit of like if a ref gets distracted, they can go back and and do a replay and see, uh, you know, see that that Santos Escobar slipped the knucks to Logan Paul and he used, you know what I mean? Like, are we going to get shit like that? That would be wild and interesting. That would be very interesting as well. And and maybe, you know, maybe we'll get some of the, like the highlights, like we'll get some, the bottom banner, you know, like breaking New Day backstage declares for the Royal Rumble, or we'll just maybe we get random live action updates in the middle of things, or I don't know. And, I, and I'd love to see how they might be able to blend this in with the rest of the Netflix, you know, stuff that they got going on because Netflix makes their own shows, right? People love and get hooked on all that kind of crap. Can we actually see that Rhea Ripley Stranger Things crossover? You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be crazy. And we'd actually be making these people into those bigger stars, into that upper echelon that, you know, The Rock and John Cena have, you know, give them that aura and that star presence that not just wrestling can provide to you hopefully this can potentially be an outlet for that especially for the younger generation who you know would be great for a lot of these roles because they people like you know people who look like them right so a lot of these younger folks are going to be able to relate to this current generation that are going to you know be the fans for the next 20 years Versus, you know, the 50 to 60 year olds, you know, that are still watching from back in the raw, you know, WWF, WWWF days, right? Yeah, it, it, it has a lot of potential to bring a lot of new eyes onto it. Um, the reach alone is just the, the difference in reach is outrageous. You, you basically get the possibility of triple the eyes. Now, an interesting thing is they'll be uh, released from ratings um, which I find intriguing because it'll be, you know, we'll be able to see how many people watched it by the stream thing, but you won't get market share and whatnot, um, which, which will be interesting. You'll just have to basically go off of raw viewers. Um, I, I don't think there's really anything in that. I feel like I've seen people say that that's them running from the race or whatever. I don't know. I think that's stupid. I don't, I don't think that's an issue right there, but, um, I expect Netflix to lean in this heavily because uh, Netflix is has a lot of debt, as most large companies do. 
Um, you know, they just keep pumping money into things to make more money. And as long as they can, you know, keep the creditors at bay, they, they get by, right? That's pretty much what any big company does. However, I do believe Netflix is somewhere in the vicinity of like 15 plus billion dollars in debt. So they're just tacking on another five, fuck it, whatever. But I do think that this is something Netflix is going to lean into heavily of being able to dig them out and, and distinguish them from some of their competitors in the streaming landscape since it's become so saturated. Um, you know, Amazon is trying to capture some of the games from NFL that we had the Thursday night situation end up mostly on Prime. And then we had a, a, a playoff game on fucking Peacock, which was wild. Um, to think that a playoff, not just any playoff game, a Kansas City Chief playoff game was on Peacock. That's just fucking wild to me. It's still weird that we're even there. But um, everybody's starting to kind of dip their toes into it. And this is one of the big, like, regular deals. Uh, I I think it's going to be huge. Yes, sir. I, I agree with you completely. All right. So some... Other news that we we can address before we get to the happenings in this episode, uh, we've got The Rock now on the board of TKO. This is rather interesting. And then not coincidentally, uh, I believe within 24, 48 at the most hours, uh, his daughter is appointed the on-screen GM of NXT. <laughs> this is, this is yes. a very interesting series of events. That's wild, man. I mean, The Rock, he's back. He's on top. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just think that, like, WWE is up. Like, buy some stock, watch the show, sit back and enjoy it, get some tickets because it, you're going on a ride and it's about to be an experience for the next 10 to 15 years, I think. I agree. And I think this is a good sign for a few things. Like, They've got such an influx of money coming in, you know, between the TKO situation, this whole new deal with Netflix. And, and you know, th- we've also got whole sorts of shit. The, the, the Peacock thing, you know, who knows? I know that there's talk about like AEW getting shit on Max or whatever. And who, who knows? Who knows where they go from, from here? But there's tons of money coming in. And you've got Okada available. You've got, I guess, Camille still hasn't signed yet. She's still out there and available. Like, there are a lot of people coming up that could be captured by a large-ass fucking paycheck. And imagine if we do get Okada at WrestleMania. That would be wild. And there are rumors. I've seen rumors kind of both ways, but there there have been stronger rumors lately that WWE seems to be the front runner in the Okada sweepstakes. That's what I'm hearing as well, and I'm all for it. Let's see Okada in WWE. Let's see Okada Styles again. Let's see Okada Nakamura. You know what I'm saying? Let let's show these people like, hey, by the way, this happened. You know, maybe a decade ago, and it was crazy. We just thought we'd give you a taste. You know, let's see Okada Seth Rollins. You know, that's yes. gonna be fucking wild. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's see Okada Rico. Drew McIntyre Ricochet. 
Like, there's just so many, so many names, you know. I don't know about putting him in NXT. That's actually like disgustingly disrespectful. AJ Styles didn't go to NXT. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I if I had to guess, it's like a little bit of a language thing of just like, hey, hang out here for a quick second while we we get a little bit more English under your belt, and then because that that's like the same deal with Julia. That's why she supposedly is going to NXT is so that way she can polish her English a little bit up first before she makes it onto the main roster. Again, obviously Asuka, Io, Kyrie didn't really do that either, but I I think Okada would get a very heavy singles push and and be embroiled in some sort of storyline there. I don't know. I just I feel like he's too old you're completely wasting his time if you make him even look at NXT. That's that's my opinion on that. You, like, he's literally like a god amongst men. And to put him on NXT with some of the people that we have to watch on there, I, I, I can't stand for that. I'm sorry. Okay, but how about this? How about if this is the start of them leveling up NXT to the point where maybe we get some of these people off of television. We bring in Julia, we bring in Okada, and then we start to make NXT back to being like similar level to SmackDown and Raw. We'd have to see, I'd have to see a lot more other talent on, on that roster for me to believe in it. It's really only on the women's side if you think about it, because you've got we, we've got Mello, we've got Dragonov, we've got Trick Willie, uh, uh, we've got Braun Breaker. I mean Baron Corbin, whatever, but he was fine on the main roster. He's fine down in NXT. You introducing Okada into the situation like that's some serious heavy hitters. Like that's basically a, as many top dogs as you know SmackDown has. Really, um, it's the women's side that would need. A push, and if they bring in both Julia and Camille, uh, that would be a really good start. You'd you'd at least have those two plus Tiff. Um, you know, you've got some other ones that are kind of working on themselves a little bit. Fallon Henley, uh, Roxanne, uh, etc. So I don't know. I I could see it happening. Uh, I I mean I I can see it happening because that's WWE and that's what they do. But I, I'm just gonna say mentioning Okada's name with those folks. That's like saying, yeah, you know, I got Michael Jordan. I could bring him on my team to play with like like Your Clay Thompson. Team? Well, no, no, like, not somebody who's terrible, but like Clay Thompson. Like, yeah, he's good, but like he's not. You know, he's damn near a role player, right? Like, I don't know, like. Who you know what I'm saying? You're gonna go play with motherfucking like who's been shitting up lately? They've been talking shit. DeAndre Ayton, like you're not. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the Baron Corbin. You know what I'm saying? Like he gave. Bro, he knows he's a max player, and he's gonna to, continue being a max player. What do you mean? To not do too much, like I don't know, man. But I'd be. I just just get him in the. Russell company. Westbrook would probably be the best example right now. I think. But he's still balling either way. He has been lately, but dude, that 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 stint with the Lakers, like he was Brick City. Very true. All right, so that's that's some of the new stuff that we've got. Now let's get into this episode. We've got it opening up. So we we had two, um, I would say, like a main segments here. 
And and I guess we'll hit them kind of back to back. So let's let's do the Seth one because that doesn't really go into anything else. We've got Seth addressing the crowd coming out from Monday Night Rollins. He opens the show. He's out here wearing a knee brace, but he's got a, a fly uh, neon yellow satin suit going on. I really dug it. And more than that, I really liked his shoes with the little like uh, steel tips on them. That was that was pretty badass. Uh, big thank you, Seth Chance, from the crowd here. He just kind of sits there, takes it in. He uh, finally starts addressing everybody, saying, you know, it really sank in backstage that I, I could be on the shelf for a while. Felt really helpless, and he thought for the first time that he could actually miss WrestleMania. And we got big no chance from the crowd here. We don't usually get no chance. Yes chance, but not always no chance. There was some big no chance here. Uh, he reveals that his MRI results were a grade 2 MCL tear and a partial medial meniscus tear. He He's not entirely sure what happens next, but and then we get an interruption from the Ring General Gunta and Imperium coming out here. And Seth is like, dude, if you're just going to make an example of me, just just get it over with. Just do it, man. And uh, Gunther's like, nah, you, you need to focus on me, not them, referring to the rest of the Imperium. And he's like, I want to let you know what I really think of you. Seth is a champion to be proud of. And he's ultimately sad about this injury and the possibility of Seth missing WrestleMania. But Seth likes to let him know that uh, you should have let me finish first because I was going to say, I don't give a damn what the doctors say. I don't care how hard rehab is. I will be taking this title into WrestleMania. Gunther admires that. He respects that. And he'd be doing the same thing if he was in Seth's position. He tells Seth, I'm going to win the Rumble, and I choose you, Pikachu. Says, uh, he says that he's going to win the Rumble on Sunday, but it's actually Saturday. And, and you know, right after this segment, Michael Cole is quick to chime in and be like, yo, it's, it's actually Saturday, people. Don't, don't watch the wrong day. Um, but he's like, yo, I, when I get that match, I will target your knee. I will target your back. I will target any sign of weakness in order to win. Seth just tells him to remember uh, who, who he's coming at here. Some spicy feud, and I would love a Seth Gunther feud. I feel like with the way things are lining up, I don't think we're going to see Seth Gunther until Mania next year. And like Seth, like Gunther wins the title, you know, next year or not, not, yeah, Gunther wins the title later this year at, uh, what are they, Bash of Berlin or I don't know what big, what big event they're doing somewhere in his, his area. Yeah. He wins the title there. Seth wins the Rumble, and then we see them at Mania. I don't. I guess they could do some stuff on TV in the meantime, but I feel like this is kind of a big match, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. Yeah, that's that's what I would expect this to be. I I think this is a longer arc here. Um, obviously, this is all. I see. I was feeling really confident about Punk winning the Rumble, and um. I'm starting to less and less feel comfortable with that. I still think that's what's happening, but I'm not like as dead set on it. Like I would not be shocked if Cody won. I would not be shocked if Gunther won. I would 
probably be shocked if anyone but those three won. You know, I guess maybe with an outside shot at Brock, just because he's fucking Brock, and you you just never know. He could just refuse to lose the Rumble again, as if, as Matt Riddle has uh, so generously told us all. Um, but I agree. I think this is a situation. Gunther wins the belt, Bash of Berlin. Um, he has a couple little feuds. Maybe Seth gets a break after he uh, he relinquishes the belt. And maybe he comes back, you know, Rumble next year. Maybe not wins it, but maybe he wins Elimination Chamber and goes after Gunther. I think that's a more realistic arc here. Yeah, exactly that. And I think I think in this Rumble we're going to see um, the Brock-Gunther feud set off their Mania match. And I, I still think we're going to see... CM Punk win, unfortunately, to challenge Seth. He's going to tease it, but I think he's eventually going to challenge Seth before, and officially let us know before Elimination Chamber, which Nick Aldis is going to make the Elimination Chamber for Roman's title. And somehow, you know, they're going to be like, oh, it's, they're, they're going to make us think it's SmackDown competitors only. And then they're going to be like, but we have, you know, one one surprise slot. And then, you know, Cody's going to show up. I'm like, no, we don't expect him. Oh, no. Right. So and then he'll eventually finish his story. Yeah, uh, let, let's let's get into his story, actually. So we had later in the night. A Cody Rhodes CM Punk segment. Cody makes an entrance. Lolly gags his way to the ring, etc. And before he even says anything, CM Punk, and we get the entrance. Um, This segment was interesting, and I have conflicting feelings about it. So I'll walk through it first, but uh, Cody addresses the crowd, but really addresses CM Punk in what, what does CM Punk want to talk about? And Punk says, your dad. And at first I was like, is this going to be some like really weird, awkward punk punchline? That's It's usually your mom, but whatever. Um, he tells a story where Dusty reached out to CM Punk uh, when Cody went off to OVW and told him to you know keep an eye on him, keep him out of trouble. And uh, he, CM Punk watched Cody grow into the suit-wearing superstar that he is today, and he's ultimately genuinely proud. He, he's been using that line a lot lately. It's kind of get, losing a little bit of its luster. Um, but at the Rumble, he's going to break that promise because he'll do whatever he has to in order to win. Uh, Cody's used to hearing stories like that about Dusty, the way people see him, and uh, talks about them being friends. But there are no friends in the Royal Rumble. And Punk is like, well, what about Sunday morning? Can I, I can separate business from personal, but can you? He talks about the differences in their path to wrestling, the burden and the advantage of being Cody Rhodes, being the son of the American dream. Uh, whereas Punk had to fight for everything. He had to fight for scraps to get to where he was and earn everything. And uh, in a lot of ways, that makes Punk the real American dream. So Cody addresses Punk here and says, you know, all right, let's talk about the pipe bomb, the blueprint for a revolution. Except that after you presented that blueprint, you just disappeared. And then who picked up the torch? Cody Rhodes picked up the torch. 
And in some context, that makes Cody Rhodes more CM Punk than CM Punk. Uh, Punk tells Cody that he's about to lose his story to a bigger superstar that hasn't been around in a long time. And at first I was like, you talk about The Rock? And then he's like, and I mean me. And I was like, I still think you meant The Rock, but okay. Um, uh, Cody's saying that he can only go forward through the Rumble and... Going forward means going through CM Punk. He goes to leave the ring. Punk grabs him, turns him around. They go nose to nose, and we get dueling CM Punk Cody chants in the crowd. And that's pretty much how we left it. Now, I was conflicted on this because I felt like it really did nothing. Um, they like jumped around a lot, and there wasn't like continuous stuff. They're like telling stories about Dusty, and then they start talking about like. Punk went down the whole road of like, I can separate business from personal, can you? But then they never addressed that again. Like, they just meandered through a bunch of shit. And it just felt like, it felt like me watching the newer Star Wars movies and being like, half of the shit is just fucking fan service and doesn't actually serve a purpose. This, this felt like a fan service promo to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I literally took four lines of notes because I'm like, what, like, I don't care. Like, oh, you're both going to win the Rumble. I'm going to beat you, buddy, but I'm your friend. Well, I'm your friend, but I'm going to beat you, buddy, and I hope we can still be friends after I beat you, buddy. Well, ha, ha, ha. I hope we can be friends after I beat you, buddy. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, dude, you know, you know, your dad told me to take care of you, and I, I kind of did. I kind of watched her from afar, and I'm glad that you did good, buddy. Like, I don't care about either of this shit, bro. Like, Great that y'all had a nice little talk. You know, we got to hear the entrance music. We got to say, whoa, and we got to uh, do some cult of personality stuff. Clap, clap, clap. We're excited. You know, um, at this point, I'm two and a half beers in if I'm at the show. And, oh, this was amazing if I was there live. Watching this at home as a sober man drinking water. Thank you. But uh, next. Yeah, I... Like I said, I just felt like it accomplished nothing. Um, it really doesn't move anything along. I don't. I don't even know. Like after the rumble, I don't even think we're gonna get Cody Punk. And what's crazy is like apparently now the Royal Rumble is officially going to be the CM Punk debut on television. And that's fucking wild. Like this dude hasn't wrestled yet, and I was all about him. Like. Correction, I was not all about him coming back. I was open to him coming back, and then I was liking the things he was saying. I'm still not a CM Punk fan. I don't know, like, there's anything that he could do to actually turn me into a CM Punk fan at this point. Maybe fucking get in shape. Like, that would probably be the main thing. Like, dude, if, if you know... I'm, I'm sorry, I just feel like that's part of it. Like, you should, you should look... and. Okay, if you're not going to get in shape, maybe like wear pants when you wrestle or something. Like you, you still don't need to wear like the the fucking briefs and whatnot, and and have your fucking flabby ass dad bod hanging all over it. You know that that works for some people, but like it sure as shit does not work for CM Punk. I'm sorry, and he was never in great shape, but he used to be in slightly better shape than he is now so maybe that's what it would take for me to be like okay dude i respect the work that you put in you take this shit seriously um so i don't know that there's anything that he could say or do to like make me a cm punk fan but this like tease all along is just making it worse like it's making it not 
not be as open to his return. Cause now I'm just like, you just kind of fuck everything up, dude. Like so many storylines, like we, we could have done Gunther winning and then we get Gunther Seth. And I'm a lot more into Gunther Seth than I am into punk Seth, or we could have had Cody winning and then have Cody Roman. And I still think we're going to get Cody Roman regardless, but like I would have been more into that. So Honestly, the dude just kind of fucks everything up. Yeah, he kind of ruined all the kind of plans and things, you know, we were fantasy booking before then. And I mean, it just, there's nothing that really excites me when it comes to a match. There's nobody that I'm like, I really want to see him in a match against this person. And I'm sorry when he comes out here and he talks. Like, I think the thing I enjoy about him most is his entrance, right? I just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll jam to the music, you know, let's get hype. And then, uh, all right, it's time to go to the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Um, all right. So that didn't lead to really much of anything after that either. Now, let's head back to the beginning of the show. Uh, at the end of the Seth. Gunther segment, we had Noop Day coming out to ambush Imperium as they're exiting, and then that leads into the first match of the show. New Day versus Imperium. And yeah, yeah, they just kind of jumped the hell out of them. There's been this kind of vicious side of New Day, especially Imperium as well, with this beef that they've uh, kind of had going on since Kofi took out Vinci. And that's who started off the match. Uh, I think Vinci hit a crossbody, and they called it like the best crossbody in the business or something like that. But New Day took over. They were just kind of stomping the shit out of him for a minute. Um, Kaiser and Woods are in there, and they just start smacking the shit out of each other. They end up uh, fighting outside, and this just turns into a giant brawl on the outside because that, that's the main point of this match because we get a, a count out again double count out and they're just fighting through the stands through the crowd i believe kaiser and woods are mainly fighting in the timekeepers area and kofi and vinci are kind of fighting through the crowd behind people's chairs and eventually they all end up in the same corner they're about to take out kofi with the chair but wood saves him uh, they end up on top of like, I guess the travel boxes where they pack up all the cameras and shit. So Woods is up there with Imperium and they're about to hit him with a, well, I think Woods was about to take out Vinci and then Kaiser comes up to, and saves him. So now it's 2v1 and then they're about to hit a suplex on Woods, but then Kofi comes up there and saves him. And then New Day basically, you know, takes everybody down together. Uh, through the tables and everybody was just down and they had you know refs and medical out here to break it up and what the hell are they gonna do like i don't know if it's gonna be some type of cage match or ladder match what stipulation match are they gonna do to finalize this feud and who's coming out on top i don't know but i i feel like I feel like it's got to be three on three. Like it's got to involve Gunther. And I actually thought that spot. So like all over social media, they were making a big deal about that spot at the end of the match where they go through the tables and everything. They're like, oh my God, this feud, the spot or whatever. And I was like, honestly, the spot kind of fucking sucked. Like it would have been way cooler if they both hit suplexes through it or whatever. But no, instead, like Kofi just pushed him off 
And then they all just like jumped on it together. And I was like, I mean, I'm sure it still hurt. And obviously it's risky as, as anything is in the business. But I was like, it kind of wasn't that good. Yeah, and they all went tumbling down is, uh, you know, kind of what happened. It could have been, could have been much better. They could have hit some type of nasty move, but they didn't, I get, you know, had to be a four way because we didn't want to have one team on top gaining the victory. I think it's going to be a cage match. And I think that Imperium has to win. I was thinking the trio with Gunther and, um, Jay would help them out, but I think Jay is going to be preoccupied. And I mean, oh, we could just, I don't know if you want to just jump right to that segment unless you had anything else on the match. No, that was, that was pretty much it. Um, yeah. So we end up backstage and we got Jay cheering up New Day, and Jackie shows up to ask him about Imperium. And uh, New Day, New Day ain't thrilled, man. Like people forgot. How New Day got down, and they got to remind them that they are one of the greatest, if not the greatest, tag team of all time going through the accolades. And and I'm also kind of like, Xavier's listing them off, but I was like, how how many of those title reigns was like Xavier actually holding a belt on? I don't think it's many, but I feel like it's probably a third. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there was 12... Four of those reigns were, you know, like Kofi, like three of those reigns were Kofi and Xavier, and one reign was Xavier and Biggie, and the rest were Biggie and Kofi. And and to be fair, like three to four reigns ain't it nothing to scoff at. But I'm just saying, it, I f- I found it interesting that he's sitting there listing off all the all the uh, nineteen thousand time tag team champion or whatever it was and I was like yeah but I'm pretty sure you had the least out of all of them but anyway uh, they they gotta remind people that they're coming for titles too and that means that Kofi Kingston is challenging and will be getting a match with the Ring General next week on Raw yeet yeet and I wish they would have said something about because I believe they're the second longest reigning tag team champions shortly or more recently surpassed by the brothers Uso. And I, I thought that would have been cute if uh, Jay said something, like when they were listing all the accomplishments and he jumps in and he's like, and the second longest tag team champions, you know, and he's smiling, but they're not, you know, I thought that would have been funny. Um. But Jay gets uh, called out by uh, Big Bronson Reed. <laughs> what the hell? Like he he last week wasn't he talking about I'm coming for a champion, but they don't know it yet. And then this week he's like, Jay wants to be a champion. That's that's actually what I meant. And I, he's gonna be in. I think he's gonna be in my way. So I'm gonna take him out before he gets in my way. Like no, dude, just go for a champion. This like they kind of fucked him. I don't know. Nah, I I kind of I I kind of get it, um, because I I feel like they meant to say that they're going for the same champion, so this has got to happen anyway for them to get to that champion, and I think that more solidifies that it's Gunther, um, 
my only thing here is like Jay hasn't won a singles match in a long time, and I actually feel like they're gonna give this win to Bronson here, and I just don't feel good about Jay getting so many fucking losses. I completely agree with you. I, I think that's exactly what's gonna happen. Bronson is gonna get this victory to lead him into a nice match, maybe at um, what's it called? I doubt. I feel like he'd be in the chamber. So maybe we just have a TV match. Maybe. Um, I yeah. I I do still feel like we're we're gonna get. I don't. I don't know. Like who I said, CM Punk fucks everything up, man. Who do you think is gonna be in the chamber? Six people. Uh, yeah. Odie, um, Bronson, Bobby, Shinsuke, Santos, got one more. Is it going to be Carmelo Hayes? Okay, okay. The, the come up. I was thinking three SmackDown, three NXT. I agree with most of those. Uh, Bobby. I think we're going to get um, Cody. Maybe even like, I think we're going to get a big man like Ivar Bronson. They gotta d- continue to keep Santos up, so I think he'd be in there. We, I think we need like a high flyer. I don't know if Ricochet will be back by then, right? Um, maybe Melo, but he's not. I don't know if he's that much of a high flyer. I almost even want to put Tez in there too, but I don't want to contradict Bobby and break that feud up. I could see if KO beats Logan Paul. I could see Logan Paul being in the chamber. Yeah, that'd be a good slot for Logan. Maybe, and then Karrion Cross. Oh, God. I yeah. forgot about him. <laughs> my my sleeper my sleeper picks are uh, Ginger Mahal and Brock Lesnar. Ginger could be interesting. I mean, we did get a segment here. Um it, it piggybacks off a damage control one, so I'll leave that part of it out. But Jinder like is is going up to Adam Pierce and he's like, "I want to talk about the plan for the most talked about superstar in 2024, and uh, what what you plan on doing with him moving forward." And, you know, so I, I mean, I feel like that means that they're still gonna give Jinder a singles thing, and I just, I don't know, I don't really feel like we need it. I don't feel like we need him in the chamber. Um. Yeah, not not really feeling that. Uh, I think more. Uh, I want to get Braun Breaker up here, dude. Like, I really feel like. Uh, I, I'm really starting to feel like if we can bring Mello up, we can definitely bring Braun up. For sure, I think honestly they're just keeping Braun down there because I think that they're winning the Dusty Classic. Um, and I think they might be in line for tag titles. 
So maybe they wanted to give Braun Breaker, like literally now they're going to give him a tag team run. So he's been a heel, he's been a face, and now he's been a tag team champion. So when he moves up, he's already done everything and he can very quickly move into that upper echelon scene and not just be one of these forgotten about undercard guys. You know, I hope that's what they'll do if they're going to take this long to move him up, right? Yeah, and I think that when he finally does move up, I expect his move to be like Gunther's in that just sheer dominance right away. Like, But uh, probably on the SmackDown side, I see him ending up in the SmackDown scene, and I could see him having a run with the U.S. title that Gunther has had with the IC title. For sure, and I think whatever brand he shows up on, maybe he shows up on Raw first, but that Raw after Mania... That's Braun Breaker's night. All right. All right. I'm down with that. Um, all right. So let's let's cover uh, a bunch of this Judgment Day stuff that we had. So the first, first thing we see at Judgment Day is a situation in the clubhouse where Rhea's yelling at Priest, saying that, you know, it seems to me like you want to fight everybody. You got DIY for the title next week. You should be focused on that and not picking fights with Drew. And, uh, you know, Priest is snapping back at Rhea, telling her, you know, I'm not the one with a big head because I'm on the cover of 2K. And Rhea looks over to Donuts and is like, me? A big head? Priest leaves. Rhea tells Finn that he needs to go out there and back Dom up tonight because it's been a minute since she has seen the vicious side of Finn Balor. And he's like, you want vicious? You'll get vicious. Because later tonight, Dom and, and the Miz have a match. <laughs> uh, Miz just stays relevant somehow. Somehow. And yeah, the, you know, the beef between Priest and Mommy is coming to a head. And we got a tag title match next week where I think there's a legitimate chance they lose those titles. Um you know, vicious Finn. They should be interesting. You know, I don't. Rhea's not losing her title anytime soon. But I mean, Judgment Day's crumbling. Yeah, and Priest can't seem to figure out what to do with the fucking briefcase because you know, cashing in on Seth to to open the show would have probably been a brilliant move. Obviously, as a huge Seth fan, I would have not appreciated that. I'm very glad that he will be taking the title into Mania. But uh, logically, that would have been probably the most ideal time ever to fucking cash in. It would have been dirty, but he's a heel anyway. He's with the Judgment Day. He's the Punisher. Um, it would have made sense. But uh, fast forward a little bit into the show, and we get this Dom, Tom and Nick, Mysterio versus The Miz match. Yeah, and man, like, I was like, who the hell he's, is he wrestling, right? Because I guess I missed them announcing this earlier. But I just I just remember them saying that he had a match. And I see The Miz come out, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like you said, I'm like, The Miz just finds a way to fucking do everything. And we did have JD McDonuts and Finn out there who were doing Judgment Day things, distracting the ref, trying to distract Miz, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Dom took over, you know, when this occurred. Finn did hit a cheap shot on the outside. So, you know, he was 
helping out. I felt that Dom was kind of a bit sloppy, uh, you know, through like the middle of this match. He tried to do like, um, like a roll through, and he didn't roll all the way. Um, he tried to hit like a six one nine or something, and he like damn near stumbled, or he didn't hit whatever the move he needed to hit on the Miz. He was too far from the ropes, so Miz had to like stumble and crawl to get on the rope when it, it just didn't look good. And I blame Dom, you know, for where he hit the move, right? But whatever. Um, JD eventually distracts the ref, um, causing the Miz to fall into the ropes. Uh, he hits the uh, 619 frog splash for the uh, 123. The crowd was all in it for the Miz. Like, they, like anything he was doing during the match, they honestly were going fucking crazy for him. But then uh, Finn just starts beating down on the Miz after the match, and he's beating the hell out of him. But DIY comes out to save. And JD eats the skull crushing finale. He was about to get crushed in the middle, but Finn helps him roll out of the ring uh, until we get that uh, tag match next week. Yeah, uh, I thought it was an interesting interference. Well, not interference, but an interesting assist out here from DIY uh, with the Miz. But uh, Again, I don't I don't know how Miz keeps this up. Um afterwards we end up with uh Jackie out here uh, interviewing Damian Priest when R Truth interrupts him to deliver him his fat stack of his cut for the shirts. Uh but but we got we got to do something about JD bro. He he added added me on Venmo. Um he leaves, Priest continues. And uh, ultimately, she's asking him about Drew. He's talking about how Drew held it down when everyone was down. But once everybody came back and the world resumed, he fell. And tonight he will be punished. Uh, this this kind of branches into uh, Jackie checking in on Drew later. And she asks him if he has any comments on Cody and Punk first, which I don't know why the fuck she would ask that. And he's like, nope, no comments. Uh-huh. But I heard everything Priest said. And uh, basically just says that Priest ain't a world champion. I am. Uh, and this is all kind of leading into their match. So anything you got on that and then just go on the match? No, uh, not not much. I did like the R-Truth um, kind of foreshadowing later because Priest was like, not now, I'm busy, talk to me later. Tom and Nick shirts, great comedy. JD adding me on Venmo, that's, that's just quality content, but... I'll uh, jump right into the match, which was pretty much our main event. Not, not, not the match of the night, in my opinion, um, which we will get to here shortly, but a decent match nonetheless. Uh, Early on action to the outside, Drew hit his uh, big belly to belly on the outside, which was nice. He tried to hit another one later that Priest countered and just smashed the guy's head into the post on the outside. He then hits the uh, broken arrow suplex. It's just a falcon arrow onto the announce table, which was pretty nasty. Um, It was a pretty even match, a lot of back and forth. There was a double knockdown with a double big boot spot. Drew hit his little Drew combo when he hits the throw and the neck breaker into a kip up. Um, 
Drew tried to do the countdown kick. He was he hit the countdown. Priest dodges it. Uh, Drew eventually hits a spine buster. They end up going back and forth. There was a nice spot when Drew just catches Priest, who was trying to hit him with like a big back elbow in the corner, and Drew just catches him. He didn't slam him or anything, but imagine if he was holding him and then he just like spun him into like a deep six or blue thunder. That'd be crazy, and he definitely could have done that, but didn't happen. Um, I think his ribs were injured. Uh, that that's kind of what they were playing on, so he couldn't do anything. He ends up hitting a headbutt. Um, Priest comes back. He hits a big kick, hits a tilt twirl for no reason, and then just gets back on his feet into a broken arrow for a two count. He does this wild ass from the inside to the outside, jumps off the second rope and does a front flip. And I always hate this move because you always get more vertical than horizontal. So like you damn near hit the back of your head on the apron. So, but he managed to do it cleanly and not hurt himself. Um, and then our truth shows up and the crowd is just crazy. You knew somebody showed showed up because we're looking at everybody on the outside and everybody in the arena stands up and starts cheering. But all you see is priest and drew just recovering on the floor. But truth has some more money. Priest is telling him not right now. Truth decides he's going to go put it inside the briefcase. Priest gets back in the ring. He eats a future shock DDT. Um, Drew's trying to get, getting ready for the claymore, but uh, Drew is, but Truth is now on the ropes asking what the password is for the briefcase. And then Drew ends up taking him out. Money everywhere. Um, Priest, now he goes for the claymore and Priest counters it into the south of heaven and he has the victory, but the ref is distracted because our truth is in the ring trying to get all the money. Priest is pissed. He throws our truth out of the ring and out of nowhere, Drew McIntyre knocks him out with the claymore. One, two, three. Down. Yeah, ultimately, like, I, I kind of thought this was a mid-match. I, it wasn't as good as I kind of hoped it would be. Um, definitely not match of the night. We'll get to that next because we haven't even talked about this between us. And I already know that we both agree on what match of the night was. Um, it was definitely Ivy Nile versus Valhalla clearly. Um, (laughs) but, uh, no, this match, it was just kind of whatever. Um, it it pretty much ended kind of how I expected. I felt like the most uh, juicy parts is just the whole carrying on the storyline. Th- there was better shit to carry on the storyline between Truth and Priest than there was between Priest and Drew, really, to me. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like this was this was something that happened. We'll see where the story takes us because Priest hasn't really been involved in the Judgment Day business. So my thoughts of him taking over the Judgment Day are slowly fading, even though I still think it's a possibility. Now there's just, you know, more beef of now Priest is losing and he's a disappointment and they're going to lose again. So now they're going to start having to rethink things and then Rhea's going to be like, you don't have any say anymore, Priest, because 
you know, you especially have been on a losing streak. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's been losing except for me, right? I don't know. Should be somewhat interesting, but we need something to spice it up. Like, Priest is going to blame truth and they're going to be like, we told you to take him out, but I need more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm ready for the, the, the drew judgment day thing to pretty much be over. Uh, but all right, so let's, let's get to the actual match of the night. We had Chad Gable sensei versus Ivar. What a fucking match. I was excited for this. I I sat down, I crossed my hands, and I just enjoyed it because I knew that this was going to be good. I did not expect it to be this good. I think this has been the best match that I've seen in 2024 um, that I've laid my eyes on. And it might even go months beyond then, but definitely for the year, I don't think I've seen anything better than this. Just just crazy it started off hot chad gable wasn't wasn't playing any shit he starts out with the fucking rolling heel kick just out the fucking cut it was great there he and he's just using his speed to stay on top of ivar at first but ivar just catches him into the fucking spinning power slam and fucking nasty um but, you know, Gable comes back, neck breaker, headbutt, tries to get the German, but he can't get it. Uh, they end up doing a suplex to the outside. Ivar sends him to the outside. Ivar then hits a splash off the apron to the outside on Gable. Was nasty. We get a commercial break. During the commercial break, Ivar hit w- one of his beautiful sliding cross bodies while Gable sitting against the ring apron, which was pretty gross as well. Here we have a nasty move where Gable and Ivar are up top, and Gable hits Ivar with a fucking T-bone superplex. Not no standard-ass shit. He had some like cross grip on his neck. It looked like a fucking Tazplex from back in the day, but just tosses this man off the top, which it was just nasty. Um, they end up on the outside and this is where we kind of get part of the story of the match. Ivar goes for his big patented spinning heel kick, but he kicks the post. So now, you know, his leg, his ankle is somewhat injured. He hits the big, you know, um, damn near tiger driver power bomb for a two count. We get a beautiful dragon screw from Gable. He ends up in the electric chair on top of Ivar he ends up rolling forward, countering the electric chair into an ankle lock. Disgusting. They end up in the corner, and Ivar does his patented, you know, sit on your chest move. He tries to hit another spinning heel kick, but Gable catches it into an ankle lock this time. Crazy. Ivar hits a sit-out spine buster, going for the moonsault. The pool's empty, and at this point, we get the big bridging German from Gable, but we only get a two-count. Crazy. They're fighting up top again, and Gable just hops over the top of Ivar and hits him with the second rope German suplex. Nasty. And to top things off, Gable's up top. Valhalla, out of nowhere, distracts him. Wasn't a big fan of the ending. 
but Ivar grabs Gable off the ropes and tosses him down. This was a fucking burning hammer, right? I don't care what anybody says. He hit this man with a fucking burning hammer, which is like illegal in 37 states. Gets on top, hits the doom salt for the one, two, three. Ivar on top. I don't, I still don't think that this feud is over. I don't know. No, I don't think it is either because it, it wasn't a, a clean victory. And um, like, I didn't want Gable to lose. I, I still will stand here and say that Chad Gable is the most underrated and underappreciated wrestler on the entire fucking roster. Um, because, dude, look at this match. Look at his match with Gunther. Like, the dude puts on bangers, okay? And, like, it probably took them a little while to to find a character that works with him. But this whole, you know, th- thank you crew situation that we've got going on, like, I fucking love it. And I still want IC on Chad Gable. Like, I don't know how we get there at this point. Maybe maybe it ends up on Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed beats Gunther. And then Chad Gable finally, because, uh, you know, he's he's suplexed Ivar now. I still don't think he's suplexed Bronson Reed yet. So maybe he'll he'll get the suplex on Bronson Reed, and then we'll, we'll get him with the IC. I don't know how we get there, but that's what I want. And I just, I just want this man to get his respect. That's all. Yeah. Give him, and maybe they're waiting for a big WrestleMania moment. Maybe that's what we're waiting for. I don't know. Chad Gable versus Okada for the IC. That, I mean, that would be a disgusting match. If they give them boys 37 minutes to just go out there and fucking sweat. I, I guarantee you, if, if we got that match at Mania, that would be the match of Mania. Oh, yeah. Um. All right, so I let's p- piggyback off that. We we get an interview earlier in the night uh, with Jackie interviewing Ivy Nile, who has Maxine with her. Um, and Jackie's asking uh, Ivy about her match with Valhalla that we have coming up here. And Maxine is just saying that you know Valhalla ain't ready for the pit bull. Creed Bros show up to to hype him up, and then. Uh, Ivy says, uh, let's get this barefoot freak, which I found was very uh, interesting. And then we get into the match of Ivy Nile versus Valhalla. Yeah, barefoot freak. You can't say that. That was mean. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then Michael Cole said it again. Michael Cole's like, I like that. (laughs) Michael Cole is on one. Which I'm surprised he didn't mention this in the back and another background thing that occurred tonight. But during the match at the top of the ramp, Nikki Cross was just walking around during the match. I don't know if, if you caught that, but that was I just, did not. Yeah, yeah. Like literally during the match, they shot at like a weird angle and you could see all the way to the top of the ramp. And Nikki Cross was just looking up to the sky, aimlessly wandering around like on the entrance ramp. It was really weird and they didn't show her at all that i saw for the rest of the show um but yeah this was a match we had the pop-up headbutt from valhalla which i really like that move um i really like that i don't like anything else about valhalla um she tried to do a pin and put her feet on the ropes but like she failed to really do that and then maxine was screaming at her and then uh, she got mad at Maxine, even though she failed. 
And honestly, I feel like, I don't know, you tape your toes up or something because you're going to put your shit on the ropes. You're going to dislocate a toe. I don't know. That's that's just me. But um, we end up at up, up top and Ivy now just hits a, you know, Trish Stratus top rope bulldog. They call that the pit bull. Thanks, uh, Wade Barrett, uh, for screaming that. As as she goes up top to hit the move, she calls that the pit bull. Oh shit! Perfect. I was curious what she might call that. She calls herself the pit bull and her move the pit bull. I like it. Yeah, I I kind of was underwhelmed by it. Um, uh, what what's it what's it called when you do like one of those bulldogs where like you run into the turnbuckle and then like you you jump off the turnbuckle and then turn them around and then bulldog them like like are you flipping over them or spinning them around spinning them around i mean i think it's just a a a different like you know running or something bulldog i think it's still a bulldog i don't know if there's a special term but but you you know what i'm talking about right yeah 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 I, I would have preferred that, you know, I, I just, the plain kind of quote unquote top rope bulldog is just kind of mad at me as a finisher. Um, cause I feel like we, we see them plenty. Like I f- pretty sure we saw Jey Uso pop one off not too long ago and he didn't get a three count from it. So why should she? Yeah, it's yeah. I, and I agree with you as well. They just kind of fell down. Right. So it's like. Maybe she can work on it some more. I mean, it might. She might as well make make it a cutter. Like you might as well take him to the top and hit him with a cutter instead of a bulldog. Then it might be cool. But I guess the bulldog and she's a pit bull. Maybe they're trying to keep the dog stuff around. It's lazy though, dude. She's lazy. Um. All right, so we we got we got a Nia Jax segment here. Nia Jax came out to address the crowd. She's saying that you know when I came back, I squashed Rhea Ripley, and I'm like, but did you really? Like, I don't really remember you actually squashing Rhea effectively. Maybe maybe ambushing her or whatever, but that that's not an actual squashing. Becky squashed. She's playing with the the what chance from the crowd. I like that from her, and then. The man, Becky Lynch, comes out to to interrupt. Shut up, Naya, you dope. Like she she just went all in on like all the the meme things for Naya. Um, you know, she's talking about how she's got the biggest target on her back at the rumble, and it's not because you're the biggest person. <laughs> she Becky was on one tonight, bro. Uh talking about how the whole locker room hates Nia Jax. Hell, probably because she injured most of them. And uh, she doesn't know what she's going to like more, winning her second Royal Rumble or watching Nia Jax lose one. And uh, then we get Bailey interrupting here. We've got Bailey in damage control here on Monday Night Raw. Very interesting development. Uh, I, I, I still love heel Bailey. Like, I'm ready for her to be a face, but I still love heel Bailey and just her, her stupid things that she does of just like yelling at some kid in the crowd to shut up, comes out saying, both you idiots are going to lose. Uh, it's a it's a cute reunion here, but I, I'm going to win the Rumble. And then they all just kind of brawl. Bailey eats a manhandle slam. Uh, uh, Nia tosses Becky out of the ring, and then leg drops Bailey, and that was it. Yeah, um, 
Nia Jack squash. I'm, I was kind of over the squash. You know, you, I'm usually a big fan. I was kind of over it. And honestly, I'm usually not the biggest fan of what Becky has to say. But why did she come out here and just start fucking taking shots, dude? 50 cal pop pop in a motherfucker. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, big target, not because you're bigger than everyone else. Nobody likes you. She said you're going to throw your weight around. You've injured nearly half of them. Crazy. Um, yeah, Bailey came out here. She was in the, uh, she and Damage Control were randomly walking around backstage during the Jay Uso New Day segment. Uh, that was, that was, that was the second, uh, you know, iteration of somebody just randomly walking in the background, but nobody acknowledging it. But yeah, um, Nia Jax just hits the fucking leg drop on Bailey and just sits there and just sits on it and stares down Becky and Becky's just worried. And then like Becky, they like cut backstage and there she's back there with uh, Rhea Ripley. What did Ripley say? They like cut to her and you couldn't really hear what she had to say. I I think. She said something along the lines of like, you know, you you better not be coming for me or something like that. Basically telling her like, you know, if you win the rumble, you should you I'm not the one you should be challenging or some shit. Yeah, either way, that was you know, that's I think that's gonna be our mania match though. I agree, and I fucking hope so. Um, I'm I'm all for it. And would this make Becky the first? Because they've only done what six women's Royal Rumbles. Like, would she would have to be the first two time winner? No. Yeah, I mean, I don't. How many? I mean, how many two time winners have we had ever? Like, you know, they, what I'm they saying? listed it. It was it was like Hulk, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, and that might be it. That might be it. Yeah, those names. Those names sound right. But yeah, I think. Uh, because that's, that's what she had also said about I'll be the first two-timer or something, I believe. Yeah, and and so this is also continued later on. We've got damage control gloating uh, backstage. Actually, no, because this comes after the tag match. And, all right, since I already mentioned Hulk, let's get this out of the way. We had a video on, like, the dawn of Hulkamania. Apparently, it's the 40-year anniversary. I, I don't really know why we had this. And then Hulk, like teases i may have another one in me about like appearing in the royal rumble and i was like i don't know the last i heard the dude can't even really walk all that well so i don't, I don't really know about that i missed i missed all that i mean this and when they showed like the whole big introducing you to the royal like i i muted my tv like i don't know i wasn't paying attention to any of that crap yeah, they had a whole bunch of like Royal Rumble vignettes thing, but this this was the only one that I felt that was of note because I honestly can't remember the last time I saw Hulk on like a WWE screen and him like in real, not real time, but sort of taped real time um, in, a, in a recent like relevancy thing. It was just kind of weird. But yeah, they did this whole like it's the forty year anniversary of the birth of Hulkamania, and they like kind of went through Hulkamania, but also kind of went through the Royal Rumble, and I don't know, it was all kind of whatever. But the match I was talking about, which I didn't feel like I needed, and I don't know, I also felt like we've had this match before or something. I don't know. All these 
not great women's tag teams are starting to blend together in my head. Um, we had Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae versus uh, Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark. Yeah, let me find this crap in my notes. I don't even know why we're having these women wrestle. I guess we're still trying to keep um, these women's tag relevant. Candice LeRae uh, kind of went off out here. Um, she kind of was even 2v1ing them at some points. She hit her beautiful senton double knee to them, which I, I love that little combo move. But eventually, she ate the Z360 out of nowhere, and she lost. And then uh, we had the tag champs come out to talk their shit, and then they got jumped by damage control. So I don't know if we're getting a four-way or something, or if damage control is just winning. I, I think damage is, control is winning, and they're setting up uh, the the feuds already. Um, cause this is where it comes in, as I was saying earlier, that damage control is gloating backstage about what they did. And, uh, Natty and Tegan decide to confront them. I don't know why. I don't even know why they're still together. And then, uh, Adam Pierce shows up to chastise damage control for appearing and doing what they did. And Dakota Kai is like, well, maybe you should take it up with Nick Aldis. And Pierce is saying, well, he's too busy looking at himself in the mirror and, uh, Bailey's letting everybody know that you're going to see a lot more of us when the Kabuki Warriors are the tag team champions. And so, yeah, that's what I feel like this is all setting up is Kabuki Warriors are going to win the belts and uh, they're setting up some shitty tag matches that we're probably not going to want to watch, like Natty and Tegan versus Kabuki Warriors. I'll watch it because it's Kabuki Warriors for sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't, need, I don't need Natty and Tegan on my screen. Like, Tegan, yeah, like... Give, give me some singles matches with Tegan. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe not the rest of this. Yeah, I mean, I won't be too upset to watch Asuka kick the fuck out of people and then uh, watch that beautiful elbow drop. I won't be too mad because um, I'm not too mad watching Party Girls either. They're entertaining. I just, you know, just change it up a little bit, right? Like, I don't really want to see Chelsea Piper, Tegan, and Natty a lot. Give them a match, sure. Get them off my screen for two to three months. Thank you. Yeah, uh, and, you know, I'll go back to something we were talking about last week with the party girls and Katana Chance and, you know, her being tiny, and I just find it hard to believe. And like you said, Candice LeRae kind of went off in the match that they had. And it was like I was saying, you know, Candace is probably about the same size as Katana Chance. I think she's a little bit taller. At least she looks a little bit taller. Um, she ain't much bigger by any means, but she doesn't wrestle like a small girl like Katana Chance does. Now, Katana Chance is a lot newer to wrestling. Candice LeRae is a fucking lifer, you know, like she's probably in her mid 30s and has probably been wrestling for 20 fucking years at this point, you know. Um, but yeah, that was one when I was watching that match, that was really the only thing I was thinking about was like Candace just doesn't wrestle like a small girl like Katana Chance does. So I, I it's just to me it just goes back to Katana Chance is just not really a wrestler at the end of the day. Pretty much, yeah. She's just uh American ninja warrior. Yeah, and uh I don't know, Caden Carter kind of carries that tag team, and that's why I don't see them having the belts. Like, they, they were there watching that match, and, you know, 
at least we could have either Chelsea or Piper on commentary. We didn't have either of these girls on fucking commentary because we know that they wouldn't have had anything good to say and it wouldn't have been interesting. And it, Because believe me, if, if it would have been interesting, they would have fucking done it, you know? Yeah, and that's the unfortunate part. They they were great champs, good on their name, but they were just transitional champs. Yup, but uh, all right, that's it for the 1600th episode of Monday Night Raw from New Orleans. It was uh, it was a bit of a wild ride, sir. Yeah, um, I think we had probably the best show here. So 1600, you know, it, it gets its place and. You know, the, the top 10%, top 5% of best Raws, you know, to ever have existed. And one of the last Raws that will be part of this famed television series once it is no longer on quote-unquote cable television. So, man, but until the next adventure, you know, we do have the Royal Rumble coming up and we will catch you next time with some potential Rumble smackdown and nxt action but until then stay safe and uh we'll catch you next time when we make your lives just a tad bit less miserable yes sir deuces deuces Peace.